At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host, Sean Eubanks. Thanks for joining us and welcome to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Business Development with Strainwise Consulting. And on our show today, we have Charlie Cangelosi, who is the Director of Sales of Kiva Confections. Kiva Sales and Service operates with the highest level of professionalism and integrity, providing industry-leading sales and logistic services. Some of the partner and brands include Kiva Confections, uh, Humboldt Ap- Apothecary, Holistic Hounds, Kiko, uh, Keith Cola, Native Prison Farms, and um, Pure Ratios. As a consumer packaged goods industry professional, Charlie developed his leadership, sales, marketing, and analytics skills working for such beverage companies as Anheuser-Busch, Miller Coors, and Ninkasi Brewing Company. Charlie's background and skills include distributor sales and marketing management, national account management and revenue and planning leadership, as well as business development. He balances his expertise with common sense approach to identify and take advantage of business opportunities. Charlie's also a grad of California State University, Long Beach, and holds an MBA from Pepperdine University. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Hey, good good afternoon. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much for having, uh, for being on the show here. Sorry for butchering the uh, the names of Humboldt Apoca- Ap- Apothecary. <laughs> Humboldt Apothecary. Um, yes, but I know I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Kiva Confections is such a such a massive brand. I'm pretty sure everyone in the industry has heard of it. So it's just a, it's great to have you on the show. Um, you were actually uh, uh, you're a board member of California Cannabis Manufacturing Association, and you were involved also uh, in a subcommittee with uh, CCIA. Um, so, how? Tell me a little bit uh, uh, about the uh, CCMA, what it, what it's about, and, and and what we should know about it. Yeah, so uh, CCMA is a is a small group of cannabis manufacturers who have been operating in the state of California uh, for quite a while, and. About 18 months ago, we saw that there was an opportunity um, 
in 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 the legislative sphere um, to create a voice for uh, the companies that were really out there innovating um, in, as manufacturers, right? There was already CCIA that was doing an amazing job of you know providing uh, the legislative initiatives for the industry as a whole. There was the California Growers Association that was there advocating for the um, the cultivators and farmers out there uh, across the state. But there's no one really advocating for the needs and um, and desires, so to speak, for the manufacturers. And obviously, as this industry has evolved, um, you know, more and more folks are out there innovating around that manufacturing um, space. So, you know, we got together with a small group of other manufacturers and uh, hired our own lobbyists to start it to go out and make sure that our voice was being heard and that we could help um, educate the legislators in uh, Sacramento and across a lot of local cities um, to really understand and educate them what a cannabis manufacturer was all about, right? Because they were very familiar with the farmers um, and they had a very good idea of what the total industry looked like, but they didn't have really good insight into um, the complexities and challenges of a manufacturer. And you take us as an example, as a confections company, um, they really didn't understand how we took our products, um, you know, which are primarily chocolate bars, and then infused them and turned them into this sort of industry leading um, uh, cannabis confection that really helped a lot of people out. So, you know, it's been a great experience. We've done a, done a lot of tours, had a lot of meetings, and, um, you know, it's really given the legislators and regulators a much better understanding on how to move forward with what they're trying to get accomplished and partnering um, with manufacturers in the state. I'm really proud to see that California stepped up and limited the um, amount of THC, the amount of milligrams of dosage requirements. Did CCMA have anything to do with that part of it? Uh, yeah, we provided them with a lot of feedback on uh, what the um, dosing limits should be, um, you know, what ranges they should be in and exactly what um, a recommended dose uh, should be. Uh, the, the 100 milligram cap that they, they put in, um, you know, I think that's a good, a good starting point. Um, it was actually one of the challenges for our company and a lot of other companies because people were above that dosing limit. You know, our top dose product was 180 milligrams, you know, but there's a lot of people that had very high ratio uh, products uh, in the marketplace. So, you know, we all had to scramble a little bit to, to reformulate. Um, and I think the 100 milligram point is a, is a good a good place to start. Um, but that that's one of our initiatives this year is to continue providing feedback to them um, from the legislative standpoint to you know maybe create a little bit more room in that dosing limit, but also making sure that we're providing clear guidance to the user on how to properly dose, and and that's always going to be the key point in all of this is educating people how to utilize the pro uh, the products properly. Well, I applaud your activity there. I think it's so important. It's so easy, I think, to just focus on your business and, and try to turn your profit. You guys are an incredible company, have a, have a wonderful presence. And, and when 
federal legalization is is allowed, I'm sure you'll cross the states and 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 be in every single state. But I really like the fact that you you're taking a step back and you're focused on moving the industry forward. That's really incredible. So thank you for doing that. Let yeah, me ask it, you this, Charlie. Oh, is there anything else that you're working on right now besides the DOSHA's requirements? Anything anything pressing that people should pay attention to CCMA or possibly donate and, and help your cause? Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, we're always looking for more feedback um, from other manufacturers in, in, in the industry and across the, uh, the state of California that can um, provide their perspectives and give us more information. So if you, uh, you find our website, there's a, there's a spot on there to um, join the organization. We, you know, we have some key initiatives that we're gonna be working on again this year with the legislators and the regulators, um, primarily around, um, as I mentioned, you know, dialing in on that, on that dosing limit. One of the big initiatives for us too is to really work with them on what the proper way to um, create a, a safety packaging. So child resistant packaging that is um, effective and practical. Um, the current regulations, you know, are requiring everybody to in the, make individual packages that are child resistant. And quite frankly, all we're really doing is creating a bunch of um, landfill waste because it, just think about anytime you ever get something in a blister pack, so to speak, we're not doing that. But as an example, you end up cutting it open and that just gets pitched to the side. We'd rather see um, the industry move around an exit bag strategy where when a consumer makes a purchase uh, at the point of uh, re at the, at retail, Mm -hmm. um, they leave with a child-resistant package um, that is reusable. So now you have a larger container that you can put multiple products in and you can safeguard your products in your home in perpetuity, right? Because it's a reusable package. And I think that's one of those key safety things that the industry um, needs to work with legislators on and regulators so that we not only are providing safety at the moment of purchase, but also downstream. And, you know, that's a key thing that um, we're going to continue to work with them on. Well, again, I want to applaud you for that. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful angle on the green side of things. Obviously, there's a tremendous amount of waste, but, and everybody first and foremost wants to be compliant, wants to do what regulators say do. Um, but I think, Charlie, you would agree. I mean, there's a lot of packaging that is adult proof at this point. It's, it's well beyond child proof, but, um, you know, however we can get there to where it ultimately serves what the consumer's looking for and absolutely does what the federal government wants to do and all governments and all all um, adults want to do is keep this out of the hands of kids and, and, and strike a balance there. So I applaud you guys for your efforts there. Thank you. All right. So you were also on the CCIA subcommittee. Which committee were you on? Uh, I was on the distribution subcommittee with uh, CCIA. Wonderful. And, and how um, is there anything that happened during on the distribution? Are you happy with how all that shaked out? I know that's probably a loaded question, but are you, are you satisfied <laughs> with the process? <laughs> yeah, and that's actually one of the things that um, spurred the creation of the Manufacturing Association because at one point in, in the history of the California move to regulation, there was a, a piece of, of legislation that was going to mandate a third-party distributor um, within the industry. 
And really, one of the things that makes California so unique as a global leader is its ability to innovate. And one of the key points to innovation is being able to touch your customer. So with CCIA and CCMA, we really strongly advocated to allow manufacturers and cultivators to be able to take their products to market and touch the retailer and ultimately touch the end user, right? So if you look at two of the largest um, adult use industries in the state of California, they both have that right. So I'm talking about the wineries and I'm talking about craft brewing. So, you know, Napa Valley and the California wine industry is a 50 billion plus uh, a year industry. It brings 23 million tourists into the state. And it's because the wineries are allowed to touch and speak with their end users, right? It's created all that that tourism. The guys and, and gals in the craft beering industry have that same right. So if Stone Brewing wasn't able to be their own distributor, they wouldn't have had the ability to create a $100 million investment fund to help other innovative craft brewers get started. If Ballast Point hadn't have had that right, they wouldn't have sold the business for a billion dollars. So when we started telling those stories and using those examples with the legislators, you know, it was a it was an aha moment, but it was familiar to them, and they understood that the the culture that is around cannabis and has been born in the state of California that continues um, forward only with the ability to allow the people that are doing the innovation to reach the retail and reach the end consumer. So that was one of the major initiatives that we got done last year was to be able to maintain that ability to um, self-distribute. Um, that doesn't mean that someone can't come in and create their own distribution company. There's some really good operators out there that are doing that. But it was definitely one of the things that, that we were very focused on and we felt very passionate about because it was at the core of what the industry and the cannabis culture in California is all about. So, you know, we were excited to, to see that that um, was able to uh, work out um, for the best of the industry and ultimately the end consumer. Great. Well, I want to thank you so much for serving on those boards. I think with your background, you were probably a tremendous asset for those guys. I know you can't do everything. Uh, so I know you've stepped away from that subcommittee, but I'm sure you uh, were a tremendous asset to them. We do need to take a quick break, Charlie. We'll be right back uh, with uh, Charlie Cangelosi. Of, he's the director of sales for Kiva Confections. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC. Symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. 
Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. The Stoner Jesus Show. Look for his live video show on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash stonerjesus420 or catch the show on demand only on cannabisradio.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on Cannabis Radio. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Business Development for Streamwise Consulting. And on our show today, we have been talking to Charlie Cangelosi of Kiva Confections. Charlie, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Hey, so great first segment there. A lot of good topics. We're going to sh- uh, transition here into California's uh, regulated market. Uh, just came online in January. So how have things been going? Oh, well, that's a little bit of a loaded question. So it, it really it really does depend on um, where you live and, and in which part of the industry or um, what type of consumer you are. So, you know, the areas where um, the local cities were ready to go on January 1st, um, those areas are doing unbelievable. You know, recently I was down in Orange County and uh, Santa Ana um, was ready to go with adult access on January 1st. And I talked to one of our, uh, our uh, retailers down there and, and they were telling me that their ratio now is up to 15 to one of adult use um, consumers to medical patients. And that sort of is in line with uh, where we were prior. You know, there's approximately a million medical patients in the state of California, but there's also approximately, you know, 29 million um, people that live in the state that are 21 or older. So uh, I was sitting in their lobby uh, waiting for this meeting to start, and it was an amazing cross-section of people. Middle of the day, again, in Orange County, tons of, you know, professionals, in there shopping uh, midday, just going about their you know business um, at lunchtime. You know, there's some definite some medical patients in there. People that are very dependent on um, the products to you know help their their medical conditions. Uh, and it was really really encouraging to to sit there and, and really watch that. And and we've seen that in other areas like West Hollywood, um, where there's still lines. Um, at, at locations and also up in Northern California, San Jose, Santa Cruz, San Francisco, Berkeley, and Sacramento, right, where the adult um, access is, is wide open. Um, the other end of that spectrum, however, is that there's a lot of people that, um, you know, are 
having their access as medical patients uh, to, to getting products be cut off because the local municipalities haven't um, instituted a local permit or program yet. So uh, these operators who were either had storefronts or delivery services operating under the old collective model, um, they can't get a license. And the issue with that is we're now licensed as a manufacturer and a distributor and we cannot do business with anybody who's not licensed. So in these areas that don't have a local um, license in place, we can't do business with those people. And so um, it, you know, it's creating a little bit of turbulence in the market. Things are starting to prove uh, day by day. But, um, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a slow evolution uh, for the first half or this full year until um, everybody kind of gets into the program and settles in. Um, one of the challenges around this was is um, the way the new law was written is local authority is required to get your state license. This, the local authority, the local governments were waiting on the state to release their regulations before they implemented their programs. So we had a little bit of a Mexican standoff going at the end of last year. Um, but now that the state has released the regulations, emergency regs, um, the local municipalities can now start to um, craft their um, local licensing and uh, we can all start to move forward and, and, and gain, allow access for everybody out there in the state. Well, and as, as involved as Kiva Confections is in the market and in and, and all levels and helping move legislation and everything you've done, are you now, uh, when you come across a great product that's not licensed, are you sending them to a licensed agent or are you guys dipping your toe into writing applications? How are you helping solve that problem or are you involved in that at all? Um, we, we do a lot of... Um... Uh, advocating and directing folks who come to us <laughs> looking for that guidance. Um, obviously, we, we try not to get too uh, lost in the weeds of, of really helping people go out and execute on that, but we try and point them in the right direction. And the state's done a nice job of um, you know creating a lot of information on the BCC, which is Bureau of Cannabis Control's website. Um, but it's really coaching and educating these folks to go and really talk to their local cities and their local city officials. Because just to give you a little bit of perspective, there's 500 plus cities in the state of California. Uh, and at the end of last year, there's only about 50 that had a local permit um, to allow people to operate at any level of the industry. So that's a lot of people that, um, and a lot of areas that are currently, um, you know, void of, of, of any any sort of local operating permits. Yeah, we've experienced that as well. We've got, you know, 20 locations coming available in the state of Colorado, California from top to bottom. And we've run into, you know, we've got an investor that's investing in a dispensary and they ha it hadn't quite sunk in yet that even though they're a cultivator, they must be licensed. And, and this is new for us because we grew up in Colorado and everything mm -hmm. is compliance driven first. Yeah. Um, we, we honor the fact through our experience. And as you know, in California, it's a different world. Um, and it's a little bit of, um, you know, a, 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 a problem to try to bring people along. But 
Yeah. Charlie, we'd love to partner with you guys. If you if you have an overflow, we've written more than 200 applications. So if you have an overflow and you want to do business with someone, send them to a consulting company like ours or someone else that can expedite it as quickly. Um, because the point is that you know they they realize that they're sitting there going, oh my gosh, we cannot do business, and they don't. And and even though they're hearing that. In their defense, they've heard that before. It's really just actually happening now to where they cannot do business. More importantly, you can't purchase from them because there's not a license. Then they go back to square one, and then they need to get open. They need to get that application written, get it filed quickly and and um, economically, not, not, not in an expensive way. Uh, some of these consulting companies are charging a quarter of a million dollars. Um, we're not even 1% of that. So right. it's just so low to do it. But um, yeah, I mean, it would be great for you to partner with someone to refer that business so that, that they can see the end use, which is you possibly carrying their product or doing business with them in some way. Yeah, no, I, I, I really think that there needs to be folks like you out there that are, are helping people, but doing it in, in a thoughtful and reasonable way. Because yeah, I, we've already experienced a few of those uh, folks that are making really big promises for a really big price tag. Um, and, and we know enough to know that, that um, they probably really can't deliver on some of those promises. Well, not only that, but but the idea is you got to ask them what's you know what's the point of that? You know, for us, we we write the application. They need a license, but we don't make our money that way. We want to help them with on the legal side of things, on the compliance side of things, and and as you know, you have to kind of get in this business and figure out what you don't know, and then what your needs are because every client's different. But I think where we stand apart is as an operator, uh, we want to help them with operations down the road, and versus, uh, hey, are you just writing this application for me? Is that how you make your money. So right. there are a lot of ways, you know, you know, how, how are you truly going to help their business? And the answer would be, we're going to connect you back with Kiva again so that you can sell your products. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the nice thing about the, the California industry is, is we, we all kind of collaborate together because we, we know that, you know, we spent 21 years operating, um, in, in a market with, that was void of regulations and we self-regulated. Um, and now that we're in a regulated market doesn't mean that we're all gonna run away from each other. We're all here to you know try and help and um, you know continue to build this amazing industry that we have um, in front of us. Absolutely. So how do you think, uh, Charlie, from just a 30,000 foot view, I mean, how do you think that market will evolve and how fast? And the reason why I ask that question is because we're getting data in Colorado that's saying, you know, we're $1.3 billion revenue. And now only $300 million of that is, is medical. So, and we saw last year, the first decline in medical sales down about $10 million, significant. And so you're starting to see a mature market like Colorado. I mean, do you think that, that the California market's gonna evolve into just a strictly recreational market or, or how do you see it evolving? Yeah, I think uh, the, the future for California is truly gonna be um, one market. And it's just gonna be adult use. And it's, it's not going to be for the same reasons that you have seen in Colorado. The primary reason is, is that there's not a, there is essentially no difference between M and A in the regulations. The, the only two differences in the two sets of regulations is the medical side of the regulations allow for a much higher dosing for capsules. Right, and that's about it. So if you wanted to go up to 2,000 milligrams on a capsule, you could. 
Um, but as far as every other product type within the category, there really isn't, there is no, no difference. Um, and then the only other small nuance is if you are a medical patient in the state and you have the state issued medical card, then you are exempt from the sales tax. You're still required to pay the excise tax um, and you're still going to be absorbing and paying for all the upstream um, cultivation taxes. But the cost of that state card would mean that you need to spend, be spending something like over $1,500 is what I was told to make you, make you break even, right? So there's no difference between the M and A. So I think what's really going to happen is, is as the local municipalities create um, more retail permits for adult use is people are just going to apply for that adult use license and, and service the industry. Um, you know, I think that's just one of the, the nuances of the way the regulations were written. And I think that's why the market will evolve to a full adult use market. Great. We do need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined uh, by Charlie Cangelosi of Kiva Confections. Don't go away, guys. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines, Dave Inman welcomes you to the state of cannabis. Tuesdays on demand, only on CannabisRadio.com. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Business Development for Stringwise Consulting. And on our show today, we have been talking to Charlie Cangeloshi of Kiva Confections. Charlie, welcome back. Ah, well, it's great to be here. Yes. Yeah, so we have covered a lot so far. Uh, so we talked about how you thought the California market might evolve. How will Kiva Confections evolve uh, in the California market? 
Oh, we're going to continue to grow. We're looking to innovate within our own portfolio, uh, bringing out some new products uh, that we're pretty excited about that I can't talk about at this time. Um, but we're also working really hard to you know, continue to build our portfolio of partners within our distribution company, Kiva Sales and Service, um, and looking, looking for those like-minded cannivators, as I like to call them, who uh, have done a great job of coming up with un- unique products and, and, and working with them to collaborate to help build their brands and take them to market. And uh, under Kiva Confections, what's your favorite product? I'm a big fan of our Petromints, which are um, an amazing microdose product because they're only two and a half milligrams of uh, THC. Um, I'm also a big fan of our Terra Espresso uh, Bites, which is you know a dark chocolate covered espresso bean, which is only five milligrams. Those are my uh, two favorite. Yeah, those are delicious. Those are really good. Is there any anything on the CBD side of things? We have some pucks here in Colorado that I love. They're they're uh, twenty to one, um, two and a half milligrams. Is there anything like that that Kiva Confections carries? Uh, yeah, so within the Kiva Confections line, we do have 100 milligram uh, CBD uh, espresso bar. So it's a similar flavoring to the espresso terabyte, and that's a one to one ratio. But within our portfolio of products, um, we have the Humboldt Apothecary tinctures that has a, a dedicated line of um, CBD to THC ratioed tinctures. Um, our Pure Ratios partners have um, amazing CBD patches and topicals and ratio products um, around there. And actually one of our angel projects is a brand called Prism, which is a CBD pre-roll. So it was one of our former employees that had this idea um, and we encouraged her and helped her go out and start the company. Um, and so what she's doing is creating um, pre-rolls that have a little higher ratio of CBD in them. So there's really a, a really nice way, especially for people returning to cannabis, to get re-engaged um, with the flower because it's not a high, high THC product. And it's um, something that they're familiar with from their past. And uh, so that's that's a great, great um, line that we're working with. And then we have some other great products in the line, like Monk's Drinking, Botanical, Drinking Botanicals that um, have high CBD ratios. And then we also carry a line called Holistic Hounds, which is a CBD pet treat line, which is, um, which is really, really cool too. Excellent. So on the uh, consumption side, on the edible side, is there anything, what's your best-selling CBD uh, product there? Um, It would be the Humboldt Apothecary uh, 16 to 1 tincture. And And then our CBD espresso bar also does very well. Okay, wonderful. And then, um, so you guys are going to sort of evolve with that. Obviously, you're going to want to expand in multiple states. Are you are you only in California? Or are you guys all over the place? No. Uh, well, it depends on how you define all over the place. So currently, we are um, selling our products in Arizona, Nevada, and Illinois. Uh, But ready and set to launch this year, um, we have Hawaii, Colorado, uh, Michigan, uh, Florida, and Massachusetts. Absolutely. Let me know when you come to Colorado and I will get out and try your products. I'm happy to do a podcast and visit with um, our our, uh, listeners on on some feedback on those. We're happy to kind of move that along. One thing I know is you're going to do it right and you guys have so many brands underneath you. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if when federal legalization happens, uh, Kiva is top of the mind for people just in general. 
Yeah, no, we think we think we have a um, a great product and great approach to it. So yeah, we're excited uh, when we get to take the products to um, other states and uh, get people engaged with it. So yeah, we're we're looking forward to that transition at the federal level. <laughs> Okay, and so you're, with your activity uh, and your activism, basically with CCMA and CCIA, um, kind of shifting gears for you here, Charlie, uh, what are your key legislative initiatives for 2018? Yeah, at the at the state level, we're really focused, again, like I mentioned, is working on that packaging uh, approach. The really big, big, though, piece of it is, is really the taxing. And at the end of the day, what the state of California needs to do is make sure that it doesn't go down the path that Washington went down, where it creates a tax structure that allows the black market be, to become the low cost provider in the market. Everybody's really focused on, on creating this regulated market and bringing everybody into the regulated market. But we got to make sure that we're not just layering in so many costs from a tax and packaging standpoint that we're pricing the products completely out of the reach of consumers where it becomes easier just to go back into the black market. Um, We also really need the state and the local governments to collaborate on how to moderate moderate that and share in that tax revenue pool um, because that's another thing that's impacting the cost of the product is the local cities are putting in these gross receipt taxes that really make it expensive to operate. So we're in Oakland for adult sales. They're currently have on the books a 10% gross receipt tax. So for every $10 that we generate, we got to give Oakland a dollar. Um, and that obviously adds to the cost of the product. So you know, those are a couple of the big, two big issues. And then as always, we're really looking to try and figure out a solution for banking. Excellent. No, and you're right about the pricing. I think it's easier to see, you know, a a, a quarter of an ounce of flour, the cost associated with that $150 or more, all the taxes, it's easy to figure that out. I think you can uh, sort of hide as a confections company because you, you are, uh, you're, uh, modifying the product and you're offering something better than just a flower. Um, are you noticing, are you, are you hopeful to just drive your confection prices down with, uh, with taxes being lower and things like that? Is that sort of the end goal? Yeah, that, that would ultimately be the end goal because right now the prices that we had to, to change just to be able to remain viable were pretty significant. So um, it's causing a little bit of sticker shock for um, a lot of people. Um, but again, the industry just needs to evolve and figure out a way to sort of, you know, moderate it, that, that revenue pool from the taxes and, um, you know, sort of spread it out a little bit and, um, and, and make it so that everybody's not really trying to take a gigantic bite out of the apple, right? Because <laughs> everybody thinks this sure. is the big, everybody thinks this is the big golden goose of tax revenue, but um, you, you don't collect any taxes if you don't sell anything. So um, yeah. yeah, that's that's something that everybody needs to kind of get in a room and, and try and figure out a, a, a way to um, manage around. It's complex, it's obviously written into the law. It takes a lot of two thirds of the majority of the legislation to change the, the tax structure. So yeah, it's a, it's a big initiative, but you know, we got to make sure that we're continuing to talk about it. Great. We're almost out of time, Charlie, but is there any progress specifically on the banking front? You mentioned that a second ago. 
No, it's just, um, you know, it just continues to be a challenge in the industry. The, the, the state treasurer um, has been working on some solutions. Um, and obviously it's a, it's a big, it's a big challenge. We're talking a lot of dollars, um, you know, moving around in the state um, within the industry. Uh, so hopefully, um, there's some solutions. And I think that one of the byproducts of, um, attorney general sessions decision on the coal memorandum is, um, I think it, it shined a really bright light for the people in Congress that they need to protect their state's rights. So I think that is actually going to end up being a motivator, um, for a lot of people in Congress to take action, um, for the cannabis industry and to protect their state's rights since it's 29 states that have programs. And so I'm actually kind of optimistic now that we might see, um, <laughs> some light at the end of the tunnel, but you really don't know, um, in this current, um, you know, environment, uh, in Washington. And is there anything besides federal, federal legalization that you'd like to see happen, any stepping stone? I mean, you've seen a lot of U.S. attorneys in each state uh, come out and take their stance, which has been positive. Is there anything else you'd like to see incrementally done uh, in light of that decision to rescind the coal memo? No, I just like to really see everybody just keep having an open and honest dialogue um, about this industry and, you know, really – continue to bring it into the mainstream uh, you know uh, honestly i rarely run in anybody that doesn't have a positive attitude about it um so i think the more we continue to talk about it the more it continues to normalize it um and everybody just continues to move forward and i think you know as we do that you know, we'll all be in a, in a much better place because, you know, this, this federal prohibition needs to end, you know, it started out being ridiculous and we're to the point where it's just time to move, move past it and, and start working on things that really matter in people's lives. Well, Charlie, you're involved in a lot of things at different levels. If someone needs to reach out to you and get in touch, even if it's just carrying your products or, or, or taking those next steps in case their state becomes legal, how do, how do we reach out to you? Yeah, I have the easiest email probably in the industry. It's this Charlie, and that's with an IE, at kivaconfections.com. Excellent, so. Charlie. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. And we well, do need to take a me. quick break. Yeah, absolutely, Charlie. It's been wonderful. Thanks for your insight, and thanks for your continued advocacy in the space in general. Oh, no, thanks to you guys and everything that you're doing. Absolutely. We do need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Jay Kotzker, who is a cannabis attorney, and we're going to do this segment called The High Five. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. 
Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. What do master growers, dispensary owners, extraction artists, and infusion chefs all have in common? They'll all be in Denver, Colorado at NCIA Seed the Sales Show, February 7th and 8th. Don't miss a chance to learn alongside 3,000 of the cannabis industry's best and brightest in three highly focused tracks about cultivation, infused products and extractions, and business strategies and innovation. Network and shop for all of your business needs across 40,000 square feet of Expo 4. Register before January 29th to save $200. NCIA Seed the Sales Show. SeedTheSalesShow.com. Learning the benefits of proper nutrition, supplementation, and personal development to live a healthy and abundant life. Awaken, adjust, and aspire. High on Healthy. Mondays on Demand. Only on CannabisRadio.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Blunt Business on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Business Development, and we have Jay Kotzker for our The High Five segment. Welcome back, Jay. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So we cover a lot of things each week. Um, so much going on here. So first thing, Congress's agreement on another continuing resolution. That's right. Everyone's aware the government uh, went through a shutdown last week. Um, there was a little bit of debate about whether, um, you know, cannabis protection amendments were going to be in any new uh, funding bill or any continuing resolution. We got the answer to that pretty quickly. Um, the Rohrbacher Blumenauer Amendment continues to stay with this continuing resolution so that at least gives protections to um, medical marijuana businesses through February 8th. <laughs> Not a lot of time, but a little time. And so this is the seventh time this amendment's been extended. There was a little bit of a panic. I, n- I noticed that social media, otherwise, uh, people were really starting to freak out. Uh, they were sort of looking at it as a separate issue of, oh, my gosh, that amendment hasn't been extended. But, of course, we had a shutdown, so a little bit of an overreaction there. Yeah, probably. Um, when you have these continuing resolutions, typically all of the riders and amendments that were part of the previous continuing resolution – carry forward. And that's what we saw this time. Unfortunately, we didn't get to add any sort of protections for adult use or recreational businesses. We had talked last time about the Polis Amendment, which would have expanded the coverage to not only medical marijuana businesses, but recreational as well. That did not make it into this continuing resolution. We can only hope that through the lobbying efforts of um, through the legislature that those types of protections are going to be part of whatever this spending bill ultimately looks like. And so we're in a midterm year here. Do you think that they're going to rush to get this done? I know immigration was a big hot topic. Illegal immigration was. Uh, there's. I'm not sure how this shakes out, who was, who was blamed uh, outside of everyone just having a low approval of Congress in general. Uh, do you anticipate them wrapping it up or just kind of kicking it down the road and, and, and doing it that way. Yeah, I don't I don't see another continuing resolution past February 8th. I mean, okay. I think that um, not only has Congress, but, um, you know, the, the, the community and, and the general public is tired of these continuing resolutions. They want to see something more formal, something more stable. And I think that's going to be a good opportunity for, you know, the Cannabis Caucus in Washington to really push for some stronger protections for cannabis businesses. Great. Hopefully that happens. So big news out of Vermont. Absolutely. Um, just this week, it became the ninth state in the country, um, in, along with Washington, D.C., to approve recreational use of cannabis. It's a little bit different. This is the first state to actually do it legislatively. 
Why that occurred is simply because there's no mechanism in the state for a, um, a citizen initiative, as we have seen in other states, to put it on the ballot. So it had to be done legislatively. And so now nationwide, 70 million people, more than one in five Americans live in a legal marijuana state. Yeah, isn't that incredible? I mean, we're talking about a country of 350 million people or so, and 70 million of those people already live in a state where adult use is, is permitted. And so do you anticipate more states following Vermont on the legislative side, or do you think it's going to continue to be decided at the ballot box? You know, I, you know I'm not entirely sure. I think you're going to see a, a strong push for states to, to at least discuss it legislatively, and maybe that prompts uh, you know citizen initiatives and voter initiatives in states that have a mechanism that allows that. But I think it's promising that legislators in these states that are, are you know are tackling these issues and, and meeting them head on. And so in Vermont, you're allowed to possess one ounce of cannabis, two mature plants, four immature plants. Uh, it's funny. I think of that cheese it commercial with the, you know, just not quite ready, right? And they kind of go. By, I'm like, immature plant could be defined in a bunch of different ways. Sure. Um, in but, this industry, as long as it doesn't have a, a bud or a flower on it, it's immature. It's immature. Sounds good. So that's really good. Um, and then, uh, so do you anticipate? I, I would imagine Vermont's a state kind of like Colorado, where there's going to be a lot of people growing from home. Well, I think what you're going to see is that's that's really the only way. Um, what's interesting about Vermont is it it makes no mention of a of a commercial retail structure it's mm-hmm. still not allowing the the cultivation you know large scale cultivation and retail sale of cannabis so what mm-hmm. you're going to see is you're going to see people growing it at their house yes. possessing you know possessing it legally and that's really the only mechanism for adult use in the state right now um, the, the law doesn't affect any of the 5,000 current um, you know, medical card holders, so that program will remain as is. But it's just very interesting that they're going to allow adult use, but they're not going to create um, a, you know, a regulatory framework as you know, we see going on in Massachusetts and Colorado and California and other places like that, um, which could have some, you know, some, some advantages, right? I mean, especially on the heels of the rescission of the Cole Memo. You're certainly not going to draw the attention in a state where you're not establishing a commercial program, even though you're allowing adult use. So this is fascinating. It seems to be the only true uh, ideological move a state can make because they're not they're not dipping into into tax uh, revenue. They're not benefiting in any way except for saying we know you want it as a people and we're going to do that for you. Right. I mean, uh, the only thing that you could envision is seeing is that it's going to reduce arrests, reduce strain on the, you know, the, the law enforcement system. But with no commercial model, you know, the state's not going to reap any tax benefit from this at all. So is Governor Phil Scott an advocate or not? He says he's going to talk about it later in the year, but he's not. Uh, it just seems odd. It is. It's very strange. And, you know, we're going to look into it a little bit more. Um, Phil Scott certainly is, you know, I think he did this with a little bit of a mixed emotion. I think he even used those words in a press conference shortly after this uh, was passed. It's I think, he, you know, he's, he's acquiescing to the, you know, the will of the people, but he's not coming out and saying, I'm going to create a, you know, a commercial cannabis market in the state. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch this one for sure. Uh, I know he's, he's, you know, asked for a couple studies to be done on, you know, education, public highway safety, things like that. And, you know, once all of the results of those tests and those, you know, um, those, you know, inquiries come back later in the year, I think he'll be open to maybe, you know, expanding this program, but he certainly, 
uh, was very clear that, hey, I'm going to take care of it. We're going to take care of it legislatively right now. I'm going to sign it as a governor. I don't want to talk about it anymore for a while. <laughs> right. So do you think that this is a positive for Vermont? I mean, if I'm a small grower, I mean, I'm not being regulated and I'm just hearing whatever the small grow shop tells me to put into my cannabis. I mean, there's issues there. It's not a massive grow. So, you know, pesticides might be less heavy metals. I mean, but I don't have a way to test for that. I mean, do you what would you prefer Vermont do? Well, I think we'd like to see a little bit more of a commercial structure. Certainly, you know, us in the industry want to see the opportunity for entrepreneurs to come into the state to establish, you know, a retail model there. But you're right, you know, with basically allowing only home grows, you're going to have no testing structure. So no one's going to know the potency of the product they're receiving. No one's going to know what sort of pesticides or herbicides or anything have been used on the plant, if at all. Um, so there's a little bit of a public safety issue there, perhaps. Um, and then we're going to get into, okay, well, if there's not a retail mechanism to purchase this, how are the people going to you know, possess marijuana, right? How are they going to acquire right. it? Not everybody is going to be growing plants in their house. So it's going to kind of get back into a, a very strange model where people are going to be gifting cannabis to people, and then you're going to be making donations for the gas that they spent coming over or the packaging right. and handling that they had to you know, undertake to get you the cannabis, or you're going to buy a t-shirt for $300 and you're going to get, a, you <laughs> get, know, some, get cannabis some cannabis. For sure. For so, sure. so it'll be uh, very interesting to see how, how those kind of loopholes and gray areas are exploited. Yeah, it might grow. It might be slower in, in Vermont and, and just a really sort of a hands off approach. But I think we're all looking at that. And I appreciate your insight in Vermont. Uh, we do need to conclude this episode of Blunt Business. I want to thank you all for joining us on this edition of Blunt Business on Cannabis Radio. You can download episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com, BluntBusinessRadio.com, or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and now iHeartRadio. We will continue with Jay Kotzer on our YouTube channel, Strainwise Consulting. I want to thank you all for joining us and have an outstanding rest of your week. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.